Welcome in the latest episode of that SEC podcast brought to you by Twisted T and my bookie. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined as always by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Balls on Twitter. What's up, yo Mayo Bath, <laughs> Tennessee Homer? What's going on, son? Oh, uh, I forgot my cold beer at the house. I I, I messed up there, so uh, sorry for no can opening experience. But it has been a wild, been a wild two hours here, Mike. Yep, we we have got a fun show, Shay. This is a, this is our mailbag. We're doing it weekly. Yep, so we're gonna get the mailbag questions. We got Nick Roush, yes. Kentucky Sports Radio. We got Mike Griffith, Dog Nation. <laughs> I mean, we have got one hell of a show. But before we get into uh, any of that, Shane, <laughs> we have got a mayo bath for uh, yeah. for Tennessee went beating South Carolina. Anybody that missed it, Shane bet on South Carolina to win outright. I mm-hmm. bet Tennessee, and the loser had to do a mayo bath. We're going to get to the mayo bath. We filmed it and everything. We got three different angles. But before we get to that, Shane, just uh, I'm wondering if you could share your thoughts before, and then we'll share your thoughts after the mail bath. Well, I mean, obviously, before there are a few things ran through my head because I've never had mayonnaise dumped on me, you know. Uh, right. So I didn't kind of I didn't know what the situation was going to be, and it adhered. I would say that it was it was thick. It was a thick substance, but the problem, Mike. <laughs> Was after. Well, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. I got to. I got to share this scene. So yeah, let me know when you're ready for that. I'm glad I got the bed out of the way. Uh-huh. It kind of has been looming. Not as bad as a 13 mile, you know, right walk, but <laughs> but uh, it definitely keeps popping up, and it's it's everywhere. I still smell it. You know, I still smell mayonnaise. Of course, <laughs> you know, <laughs> a big guy and smell like mayonnaise probably not news, but uh, it is to me because I'm not usually a mayonnaise guy. So, right. Right. All right. Uh, so let's get. We're going to get to it. We, we filmed this outside. We didn't have the proper mic, so the audio's maybe a little different, but you ain't here for the audio. You're no. here for the video footage of Shane getting dumped on with the mayo, so let's kick it over. All right, Shane, why are we here? Wait, 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 wait one second. <laughs> All right. So, I've made a lot of dumb, stupid bets in my life. This may this may top it, Mike. I don't know. 13 miles was rough. Florida Gators are still tweeting about that one. But, you know, everybody that knows me knows that I'm terrible at gambling. I am one of nine in my last locks. And I've never used that power to help the Tennessee Volunteers till this week. I talked so much shit about the Gamecocks all offseason. I just knew that... I've seen the bookmarks out there. I knew that they were going to come after me if Tennessee were to drop another game to South Carolina, and it would be two years before we could redeem it. So I did what any diehard volunteer fan would do. I fell on the grenade... I locked down South Carolina to not only cover the spread but win that game just so the Vols could walk away victors. 
So do I have regrets? Up to this point, no. But I start to second guess it when I'm looking at this large vat of mayonnaise sitting here below Mike. But a deal's a deal. Bring on the mayo, Mike. Okay. <laughs> yeah, this is this is very much very real. Very much mayo here. He's gonna get it here. Oh shit. Here we go. <laughs> if I if I, you know my biggest concern is not being able to breathe. I don't know. I've never I never did oh my god. I'll let you finish your thought. We can look at it while we're sitting here. Okay. I, I don't know. I, let me just suck let me get some wind in here. You ready? Three. You do a countdown in your head there. For okay. the ball, Shane. Okay, let's do it. Rocky Top, you'll always be home sweet home to me. Good old Rocky Top. Rocky Top. And oh, no. <laughs> Go balls, baby. Rocky Top, you'll always be home sweet home to me. All right, Chase. So, <laughs> hey, I thought you looked good with the hair there, the mayo hair. Yeah, actually, when you paused it and looked at it there, I was like, huh, maybe I should get those, impl you know, those hair implants <laughs> like we're talking about, you know? Uh, no, it was, uh, like I said, it, it stuck to me. It's still with me. Uh, it's in the truck because I had to go home and, and I just, I'm, I know for three days, four days, I'm going to smell mayonnaise, but. Uh, it was a bet I owed. It was a bet I was glad to to take care of, and and you know if I've got a if I got to dump mayonnaise on me every week to let the balls win, <laughs> by God, I'd do it. You know what I'm saying? And I think there's a lot of fans out there listening to the show that would do the same thing for their team. So right. Uh, so so it was worth it for a Tennessee win in oh, that yeah. crucial game. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I. I'm not making any – got to be careful with my words now because then it gets clipped and put out there. Uh, there's some pretty savvy videos and clips I've already seen floating around. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so this one – this is going to be one. And what's funny is you don't think about it right now. You know, it's 2023. I'm not – You we're just putting the content out there, you know, but there's going to be a day, like 40 years, 30 years from now, you know, my – grandson's going to come up to me or, you know, whatever it is. Right. I, don't, I don't, I'm not speeding up my grandchildren or anything like that. I don't have any, but, <laughs> but there's going to be a day they're on YouTube and they're going to be able to find this clip, you know? So I always think about that. It's like, you know, it, putting it out there is fun now, but you know, to, you know, 10, 15 years from now, I may have to answer for it again. So. Yeah. And then the, I think the best part, Shane, when, when we were done. Yes. Uh, so they, they've been doing some work over here yeah let me uh, i got you here uh -huh. mike okay so we mike's saying we had some i've been having some construction work done here around the house so but you got none in the back <laughs> none in the back <laughs> so i want to set this scene so this was videoed in uh the back of the property here and there's a chair there's three cameras different angles which you guys just got to experience um and there's mayonnaise everywhere. Okay. So Mike goes to take some of the stuff in the, in the building or in the house here. And I went ahead and removed my shirt. All right. So, cause I mean, it's just caked on there. So about that time, construction workers <laughs> walk behind the house and all they see is a chair 
three cameras, a fat guy with mayonnaise all over him. And dude, I could not, I, I could, I was just like, I try to explain a million miles an hour. I didn't know if they understood what I was saying. You know, I've never, I was just like, man, I, I, I lost a bet. I was like, I was just spitting stuff out, you know, cause his face, that facial reaction, when you come around the house and there's this fat guy with mayonnaise and there's three cameras pointing at him, it's like, what the fuck did I just walk into, you know? It's like, <laughs> so I walked by him, Shane, on my way back to the house carrying one of the cameras, and I said, what kind of crazy porno are these hicks making it? And they just start dying laughing. So yeah, they, they knew they didn't know what was up, but they, they had an idea what was up. They were totally off, but. Oh my gosh, man. Yes. That, that one, that's the bet sunk to a new low at that point. Mike. I mean, I, I put this video out there. There's going to be a lot of people watching it and stuff. And that was okay. But those two guys, that was the lowest of low because I didn't have time to really explain what we were doing. <laughs> All right, so let's move on from that. We'll we'll never discuss that again except for oh, probably yeah. years to end. But uh, we got a mailbag to get yeah. to, brother. So we got a lot of mad fans, people ready to fire their coach, yeah. get this guy out of here. This guy can't coach. And uh, so we're not picking on anybody because there's, there's several here to pick from. But let's start, Shane, with uh, Draven Arnold. Okay. Off Instagram. If the Razorbacks miss a bowl game, does Sam Pittman make it through the offseason? And, uh, you know, if they if they miss a bowl game, when we came in, we were thinking eight, seven, eight wins. Yeah. We're talking five. Again, I'm not hitting the panic button, Shane. I, th- I think A&M, their front seven is in- incredible. I think we're going to see more of that on Saturday. So, I'm not hitting the panic button. Not that I was happy. Hell, we picked Arkansas to win. We looked foolish. The Maggies have been letting us know all week. So it's it's not, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not sitting here making excuses, but they just lost to, to two really good teams, I think. I'm not hitting the panic button. Uh, but, yeah, if they don't make a bowl, I th- I could see change being made, but I, I certainly expect them to make a bowl. Yeah, what's their schedule? Do you got that pulled up? Yes, sir. Um... I don't have mine pulled up here. So they got uh, at Ole Miss this week. All right. So how many wins they got right now? They have three, two. Chat. So, so they get four more wins here. Right. But right. listen to the schedule. So okay. at Ole Miss. Okay. That's a tough one. Right. At Bama. <laughs> another tough one. But maybe not as tough as people think. If I'm yeah. right. But then here we got this is this is where you can get your four. I think Mississippi State at home. Mm-hmm. At Florida which will okay. be coming off Georgia. Okay. Auburn at home, FIU at home, and Missouri at home. Buddy, I'm telling you, there's a there's a possibility. I don't want to be the negative guy, you know. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I mean, right now, I don't feel good about Ole Miss. I definitely don't feel good about Alabama. I don't feel good about Mizzou. I don't feel good about, hell, even Auburn. You know? yeah, but my, I mean, Mizzou's going to go through a gauntlet too, brother. I mean, I know, we're sitting here looking at undefeated Mizzou. Yeah, but again, it's it's different. It's a rivalry, you know, and yeah, it's a home um, game. Let, but I, let's here's what Mizzou will go through before that: LSU, yeah, at Kentucky, mm-hmm. undefeated, South Carolina, yeah, at Georgia, Tennessee, at home, Florida at home, and then Arkansas. Damn, undefeated. <laughs> huh? I don't see the tough game in there, Mike. No, I'm just kidding. 
But but back to the Arkansas argument, it's it's still there have been games that we've already BYU that we penciled in a victory. You know, mm-hmm. why you're looking at Auburn for that's the one that stands out to me because I mean they just went toe to toe with Georgia. Where's that one at? At Arkansas. Okay, well that's a little better. So I mean. I'm not predicting that they don't go to a bowl, but I am saying that if they don't, I don't think he continues. I, right. I think that's the, I think that's one of your first fires of the off season. Sad, but that's what happens. Well, there may be another one, according to Sam Burnson off YouTube, saying, "Should Billy be fired if the Gators go five and seven or mm. worse, or should he be given another year regardless of the record?" And we're sitting here, Shane, with them Florida Gators. They've won, what, three games. Yeah. So he's saying five and seven or worse. So they, they got to win two more. Two more, right? <laughs> I mean, but they got a tough. I mean, how sad is we're sitting here, Florida. You got to win two of the final seven. But Vanderbilt at home, I mean, right. you, sh- you should easily. You win. At South Carolina, Georgia and Jacksonville, Arkansas at home. At LSU, at Mizzou, Florida State at home. Not a not a gimme in there after Vanderbilt. No. No, I, I think Vanderbilt who was this what was the third team that you had? Georgia. Second team? At South Carolina. I mean if Which they've gonna, sold out already. Brother, I mean but if you're chasing a bowl game, it's gotta be done. It's gotta be wrapped up, I think, in the first two weeks here. Because I mean, obviously Arkansas yeah, that's a that could go. It's a coin toss. We just talked about their their program, but that might be a Arkansas at Florida. Whoever wins saves their job. I mean, oh, it might shit. it might yeah. be that. You know, yeah, it may come down to that one. So, but that's where we're at. I, I don't know, man. It's like, but I, everybody I, wants to get onto the recruiting class. So that, right. What they got coming in, you know, Billy's a slow build. It's his second year. You know, blah blah blah. I I, I don't think he loses his job. I don't think they can. I don't either. I, it, I don't think they can necessarily. Unless they lose the yeah. Vanderbilt. Oh, buddy. If they lose out. Right. If they lose out, then then you can make the argument. Or if, let's say, they don't make a bowl and they just get destroyed by teams like Florida State, and you know, LSU, where it's just Georgia. an absolute embarrassment. That's the thing then, I was going to say, Shane. I mean, hell, two weeks ago we were crowning this guy. Yeah, I know. This is the – this is the Billy method. Bounce back, Billy. Yeah, we Tennessee. Ha ha. We yeah. you know overrated. We killed them. Yeah, we're going. This is this is who we are now. So it's wild. We're getting two weeks later. Is this guy gonna make it? But to me, I think you hit on the most important thing, and that's exactly what I was gonna say, Shane. Uh, not that we're happy with five and seven. Not that that's the standard. Not that six and six. Hell, I mean, you the standard at Florida is like nine, ten wins. Right. I think. Yeah. Or should be. Uh, and, and some years that's not – Steve Spurrier left because he said 10 win is not good enough for these people. Yeah. You know, we're a long way from that. But the point being, Shane, are we getting asked – are we getting destroyed by Georgia? Are yeah. we getting destroyed by LSU? Are we getting destroyed by Florida State? And, hell, any of these other teams, South Carolina, Arkansas, Missouri. Yeah. If if we're getting our ass kicked in the majority of these games, yeah, I'm firing them. Yeah. But if, we're, if we lose to Georgia by three, we lose to at LSU by seven – we we lose to Florida State on a last second field goal. I ain't firing this guy. No, because they're they're still fighting, right? And they're just losing the better teams. And, and a lot of these are on the road. So again, they they got to clean up a lot of stuff. But I think it's a little early to be firing all these coaches. 
Well, since we're talking about it, yeah. if you had a short list of hot seats right now in the SEC, who's at top? Let's give me your top three right now, hot <laughs> seats. Uh, God. Um, probably Zach Arnett. Yeah. That's probably it for me, honestly. Really? I don't, th- I don't so you know got many. Tears, ha- huh? Because I just don't know if he can cut it as a head coach. Right. I get it. And I get it. We've seen him for, what, five games? Yeah. That's probably not even fair to say. But I think it, but that's what we said all off season too. Right. Can this guy cut it? And then we, we, I mean, in the back of our minds, we always thought he was a filler anyway. You right. You know, so I didn't think, I think keeping that recruiting class, thinking some of the in state talent or the just the roster itself. You know, it made sense to keep him, but I don't know. You know, you're trying to put a Band-Aid on a, on a, a gushing wound, it felt like. so. Right. So, yeah, I, I really don't have a hot seat <laughs> ranking. So Okay, so, but, I mean, you kind of do. there. But, so. Well, this will get to it because this is, we got one more. Let's fire this guy. Okay. Norm Silver's off Twitter. Do you think Zach Arnett? <laughs> <laughs> Decision to fire Mike Leach's offensive staff will cost him his job. If Mississippi State goes zero and eight in the SEC, and I think uh, again, that's that's exactly what I'm talking about. I'm not sitting here saying they're going to go zero and eight. Now that's crazy. This is this is a proud program. That hell shade. I mean, that, a lot of these fans thought seven, eight wins was yeah. the standard going into this year, and clearly, I don't think they're going to get there. But they got Western Michigan, easy win. But if if they go zero and eight, this is who they lose to: Shane at Arkansas, at Auburn. Kentucky at home, at Texas A and M, and then Ole Miss at home. I mean, it's if they if they play as poorly as we've seen at times, they could lose all those games. Yeah, and I'm not predicting it. Yeah, but I'm saying they could. And if they do, yeah, I think you got to you had you. We can't do this. This is Mississippi State. Zero yeah. and eight. That ain't cutting it for for any fan base. And mm-hmm. it, it sure as hell isn't for. Remember, I said. Mississippi State, I th- they got, I believe, the second longest bowl streak in yeah. the SEC. Zero and eight with the again. I I voted them seventh, right? And I got jumped on. Uh, it's you always vote Mississippi State seventh, even though I've only done it like twice out of yeah. eight years. But I didn't have high expectations, but I got much higher than zero and eight. As do right. the, does that fan base. If they go zero and eight, we get, I think we got to make a move. I think so too, because again, what's the future like? Like why why keep playing this game for a couple, two, three more seasons when you could, I mean, that hurts you financially. Right. So, yeah, I, I would imagine in the SEC, you know, you got to you got to do it now. And Arnett had an opportunity. He went out, and I told you, the, the most crucial hire this offseason was that coordinator at offense, and and it's not working out. It's, it's a flat-out disaster right now. So, uh, and it may cost him a game. It may cost him a job. So, you know, Arnett's going to be around. He's going to be around some storied programs forever because he is a great defensive mind, and and given the talent, he can he can do some special things on that side of the ball. But I just don't – I'm not convinced head coaching is in his future. So, yeah. If Hell I'm a defensive coordinator, though. If I'm tearing it, I'd have Arnett one. I would probably have probably Billy, number two, and then uh, – and then I'm going to go with uh, what's his Sam number mm-hmm. three. That that would be my order if if we're looking at hot seats and and like you, I only think one of those are getting fired. And then he'll be the defensive coordinator at LSU immediately. <laughs> Zach Arnett, <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Right. Like get him down here, That's fix right. his defense. 
All right, how about this one? I like this one from Tanner Dodson mm-hmm. off Instagram. Who are the dark horse candidates in the East and West? I, I assume he means to win the division, you know, yeah. after week five. And I'll give you my biggest one. Okay. Alabama. Yeah. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> I mean, if they win, if they win at A&M, you can't get back on that wagon, Mike. <laughs> but I don't think they are. I don't think they yeah. are. So uh, that's that's a dark horse. What's his horse. name? Feinbaum. He'll be up there kicking you right <laughs> off. Larry. You know? Larry. Yeah. Uh, no, a biggest dark horse. Uh, I mean, it's it's probably Ole Miss, but yeah. they, they've got a big loss, and they're they're a very dark horse because they got to go to Georgia. Yeah, it's not. It is what it is. But um, they they got the short end of the scheduling stick there, but. It, they they can outscore anybody. It looks like uh, mine's Mizzou. Mizzou, yeah, because you you're catching LSU at the right time. I think you don't have Georgia, mm-hmm. uh, or I'm sorry, you don't have uh, Alabama. Or uh, do they have Texas A&M? What's their schedule? What's Mizzou's schedule after uh, after LSU here? Because uh, one lost team mm-hmm. can here, still get in. So I got LSU this week at yeah. home at yeah. Kentucky. Yeah. Night game there. At uh South Carolina at home. Mm-hmm. At Georgia. Tennessee at home. Florida at home. At Arkansas. Not easy, obviously. I mean, not th- it's just gonna boil down to who can beat Georgia out of the East, I think. Right. You is it Kentucky? You may feel confident that Kentucky's that team. You may feel confident that Mizzou's that team. But if you're picking a dark horse, I think it's gotta be one of those two programs. Maybe I mean Tennessee. Mm. You still you can't take them all, Shane, because then you're stealing mine. <laughs> I know, I know, but well, now that I'm, I'm just, I've just heard this question, so I'm yeah, kind of, I guess you so. guys are in the brain with me right now, going down the halls <laughs> trying to figure out what I'm going to say next. But that's kind of where I'm at. Is you know who can beat Georgia, and and, right. and I think that's where you're at. Tennessee, Mizzou, Kentucky, whichever one you feel good about there, I think you got a good shot. And I like your old Miss pick out of the West. And I, I would say Tennessee just because they host Georgia. Yeah. Now do I? Feel confident about that? No. Mm-hmm. No, I do not, Shane. But Georgia. You want to put mayonnaise bait on it? <laughs> <laughs> Georgia is not the Georgia we, you know, and, and we'll learn more. I mean, Kentucky gets Tennessee at home. Right. Kentucky gets Mizzou at home. I think that. I think that's that's probably the next best option. But I, I think I'd go Tennessee. Tennessee. With, with their running game, with their defense. And it took a big step last week. You put That's putting a lot of faith. In Joe Milton, that I don't have right now. Yeah, but if he, let's just say, and again, it's you know he's he's not awful. He gets criticized too much, but he get he got built up too much too. Yeah, if he can just play mistake free football, let's say they run for 150 on Georgia. Yeah, the defense holds up, which is like I guess Georgia's a really good team. When I say hold up, under 30, right? And Joe Milton hits. I mean, you don't got to do a lot, brother. But like three deep balls, right? I think they can beat Georgia at home. Don't the only concern, the only problem with that scenario is you still got Alabama on there. You know, I know, I know. Well, you just <laughs> dark horsed them, and now you're like, ah, they suck again. But but I'm saying, you know, Tennessee has already got an SEC loss. Kentucky's and, got Bama too, though. 
Yeah, but, but if, they get them at home. If Tennessee loses, what I'm saying, dark horse is, is Georgia not getting in. Right. So even if you beat Georgia and lose to Alabama, Georgia still gets in, long right, as they didn't right. lose to anybody else. So right. it's kind of a, a numbers game right now, and that's why I'm kind of leaning more toward Mizzou mm-hmm. and uh, Kentucky, just because they're undefeated and have no losses. So right. and if I had to pick one of those, of course I'm going M I Z. All right, we got some Kentucky fans shade or feeling themselves. I. I'm just going to go in order here. Shane Alexander from Facebook. Yeah. Not not related. (laughs) Cousin Shane. If Kentucky beats Georgia, can we bring the goalposts back to Lexington? (laughs) 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 I think Ollie will help him carry it up there. Yeah, I saw his little video he sent out. Uh, I would love nothing else. I, I would love to see that happen. I just, you know, when Kentucky went down and beat uh, Florida. Yeah. You know, that was just, even though if you're not a Kentucky fan, you still felt the energy and, and just the the decades and decades of just ass kicking that you've you've endured. Right. It was worth it for that moment. So, yeah, I would love to see that. I would love to see somebody get down there and try to tear down them damn goalposts. And then the, on the similar vibe, Shane, Chris Spiller off YouTube, can anyone in the East beat them cats? Can you win the East? <laughs> uh, there's a couple out there, you know. I, 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 I get it. I get it. Kentucky's on cloud nine, and they should be. Right. Uh, but they're still figuring themselves out, you know. It, it's We've not seen a complete game. Right. And if they dial that up this weekend, who knows? Maybe nobody can beat them. So, and then we got one more. Yeah. From starting to really like this guy, Shane. He trolls us, but loyal fan. He can, they control us all they want. Yeah. I don't care. Big Blue Boss off yeah. Twitter. Where should Kentucky be ranked when they beat Georgia? <laughs> and, hey, uh, I mean, I, I gave Texas their credit because they went to Bama and beat the Crimson Tide. I said that was the best win of the season. Yeah. And I don't care what anybody thinks about Kentucky. If they win in Athens, mm-hmm. that's the best win of the college football season. And this may sound outlandish, Shane, but if you beat – and it, this is this is Georgia logic yeah. that I don't subscribe to, but we're number one till we get beat. Well, yeah. if Kentucky comes down there in your turf and whoops your ass by one point, they, you should be number one. I mean, oh, where yeah. where's the debate? Yeah. You beat number one on in their house, you're number one. You're undefeated. There is no good argument against that. If we're ranking on this season. Mm, Kirby's using that this week. You know, it's kind of weird. I'm not seeing a lot of propaganda thrown out there. They We did, <laughs> like with South Carolina, Tennessee right, right. the year before, like these fans don't get too loud. And then, <laughs> you know, we're not getting that with Kentucky, which I think is good. Yeah. You're, you're not creating a bullseye for yourself. But uh, that's, a that's I don't know. This is something I've been thinking about. I'm sure he's got something he's bringing up. It may be this podcast. Who knows? <laughs> How about Ryan off Twitter, Shane? If you had to pick Mizzou or Kentucky to win the East, who would you lean towards right now? Mizzou or Kentucky? Who who would you favor there? Hmm. Neither one's played Georgia, obviously. They, it, they play next I'm, week in Lexington. Kind of the same thing I talked about earlier. Because Alabama – and Alabama's on Kentucky's schedule. That's the only reason mm. I'm leaning a little more toward MIZ. Mizzou mm. Shane. Plus, plus, I've got <laughs> too much invested yeah. in this. All right. L- last word, Shane, from Grant Wilburn off Twitter. Yeah. That's a really good one, too. 
what SEC program, and he says current, so he don't want Texas or Oklahoma, yeah. I would imagine, <laughs> not named Georgia, has the highest ceiling in uh, within the expanded conference. Wait, say, say that again. Which current SEC program, yeah. and not do not include Georgia in this, right. has the highest ceiling in the future with uh, the expanded conference, and I think what he's saying is with Texas and Oklahoma coming in, mm-hmm. who who who's got the highest ceiling? Not named Georgia. With Texas and Oklahoma coming in. Whoa, I, I mean, you you would think Alabama would be. Would they? Was Saban ninety year old Saban there? Well, I mean, still it's Alabama. You know, I, I, yeah, but he's saying the future, Shane. God, you just hate you hate talking <laughs> Bama at all. Okay, Auburn. You know, there's Ooh. another one. I think uh I think when you remove the divisions and now they don't have to play LSU every year and mm-hmm. you know, uh hell, I don't know if they even play in Georgia every year. You know, you heard Hugh come out. Of course I don't think that's true, but yeah, I think that's that's gonna be your baby because again, you gotta remember when we get away from divisions. One lost teams can still make it to SEC championships. You yep. know, that's not like that. The East and West losses, those are pivotal. And and now they're going to take the two best teams and a one loss, even if it's against, let's say, uh, Georgia in that scenario. If you got a one loss Auburn against a one loss Georgia, they're going to put them right back together for an SEC championship. They're not penalized because they had that. So, right. um, so when I, when I think about that, I think, well, who can recruit? Whose future's brighter, you know? Yeah, give me some Auburn. I'll give you a, a different answer, Shane. Yeah? A&M. Why, why, I, I, A&M came up with me, mm-hmm. but now Texas is looming. So right. even though we can't talk about Texas. I think that's why. Oh, You think so? Because I think, again, I think they're – I hate to give away picks, but I already did it on national television. I think they wallop Alabama. Yeah. And if they do that, Shane – the way LSU's trending, yeah. I mean, I th- I think it comes down to A and M, Ole Miss for the West, and Ole Miss has already lost to Bama. They Wait play at Georgia. You're talking about West and East, though. We're talking about exp- well, all right. We'll get okay. uh, this. Is all part of the narrative here? All right. Putting it. This is how my brain works, Shane. You said <laughs> window in ears, window into mine. So A and M wins the West this year. Yeah. Let's just. I mean, that's realistic, right? That's realistic. If they beat Bama, yeah, Saturday. I think I think they're the team to beat. If or when? When. <laughs> when they beat Bama. Yeah. So we got here, we got A&M. Finally, the the key to this, Shane, is Jimbo giving his offense to Petrino. Yeah. And getting out away from the quarterbacks. I mean, not enough is that, – that was an offseason joke, endlessly made. Oh, they're going to be at each other's throats. Right. You know, they're going to be fighting. How, how many fist fights they're going to have? And, they ain't having fist fights, Shane. Right. What they have is the biggest turnaround in the SEC on the offensive side of the football because he get, he handed the keys away. Jimbo's learning. He's adapting. They're recru- you said it yourself, recruiting. They're recruiting like crazy. Yeah. And we're starting to see that pay off on that defensive line. And I think with Texas, again, we're not – we're not putting Texas into this, but he's mm-hmm. saying an expanded conference. Texas looks damn good, Shane. Yeah. We just there was someone on Fine Bomb, I think it was Bruce Feldman, said this is a playoff, legit playoff, maybe national contender. He's talking Texas. Yeah. 
which that's probably accurate, but I'm saying A&M too. They got all the money in the world. If Texas comes in and they're a playoff bound or, or in that discussion, all the efforts that these A&M boosters have, mm-hmm. it's going to get ramped up. Because right. by God, we are not letting Texas come into this conference and dominate it. We'll throw even more money at right. Jimbo Fisher and company. And I don't have a ton of faith in Jimbo, but the team is what it is, and it's looking good. And yeah. I think Saban's on a decline. And maybe, you know, there's a, so many people, Shane, that hate Brian Kelly and think, you know, he, he could never get it done. And I'm not ready to go that far because, he, hell, he won the West year right. one. I mean, I think it's kind of crazy to call this guy out. But so many people hate that guy and said he'll never win in the SEC, could never win at Notre Dame. Maybe they're right. right. So I, I don't know that LSU's that option either. But I think they're a close second. Auburn, that's another good one with Hugh Freeze. But give me A&M, Shane, because they got that recruital. Uh, you know, area. They're going to be going head-to-head to Texas every year. And who knows? I mean, we said this in the preseason, and it sounded crazy, and it, it still does a little bit because everybody's got Georgia penciled in. But the national championships in Houston, yeah. Shane, in Texas, Texas A&M, could be on a collision course this year to meet in that game. And if they do, <laughs> God, those boosters are not – Yeah. They're throwing all their money in, you know, because they want this to continue and they don't want Texas to get the upper hand. And, and Texas fans don't want A&M to get the yeah. upper hand. So this this could be like a 10-year war here. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Let me, let me flip it a little bit, though. When we go to this expansion, is there any teams that's going to hurt? Yeah, it's probably going to hurt a lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the first one that came to my mind was Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not saying that their permanent West opponent is inferior because they've had some tough football games the last few years. But, you know, it's not an, an Alabama. It's not an LSU, you know. Um, the East, outside of Georgia and Tennessee one year, Florida the next year, it's like they have two tough, serious tough opponents, it seems like, every year. And then there's a handful of, like, 50-50 games, it feels right. like. You know, I think when you remove that and now you've got teams like Texas and Oklahoma on your schedule every year that um, I think that may be a program that kind of takes a hit a little bit. Yeah, I think it potentially hurts a couple of the East teams. Yeah, because they're more the East because Vanderbilt. Yeah, because we're getting away from these divisions. Right. We're getting away from, I mean, Missouri and Kentucky are good now for the last Ten years they've been hit and miss. Tennessee's been hit or miss. Right. Ten- Tennessee more than any of them yeah. has been hit or miss, and now they're rolling a little bit. So, I I think having to play more West teams, having to play Texas and Oklahoma, uh, potentially that hurts you. Yeah, I do think. But I also think those teams are going to be able to recruit better because I've I've said this many times. SEC is going to be mini NFL. Yeah, the best recruits, the best transfers, they're going to want to come. I think best coaches to prove themselves. So. Uh, potentially, I think there's a couple teams in the East that could hurt. And the one power that it shouldn't, Florida. I think it could re- it could hurt them. Yeah. Because they're still trying to find footing under Napier. Right. And it's just, it's just going to get harder. Get tougher, absolutely. You're still going to have Florida State. Yeah. You're still going to have – I don't know who they're – Miami's looking good. Yeah, yeah. Could hurt in-state recruiting. No, that's a good one. So – I don't know. It's just it's interesting to see how that plays out. And of course, we're going to have all off season <laughs> to bring that one up. But yeah, it, it's this is the last. It's we're changing the landscape of how we think 
college football works, you know, with these divisions. This is the last year of it. So right. uh, soak it up because if you've been on, on, on the mountain – it's been a good run, but next year it's gonna get it's gonna get nasty. Well, speaking of the mountaintop, Shane, all the listeners can get there if they go over to MyBookie, sign up for a new account over at MyBookie.ag today, and put in that promo code that S E C T H A T S E C over at MyBookie. They're willing to give you an instant fifty percent deposit match up to a thousand bucks, so you can have fifteen hundred in your account today. With that promo code, that SEC, over at mybookie.ag today. In the show notes, there is a link. Click that link, sign up. It would really, really, really help us out. We don't ask for much. Come on, be throwing 50 bucks, 100 bucks, whatever you can spare over at mybookie and fade our picks and reach at mountaintop <laughs> like the rest like the rest of these SEC One teams. You for know? nine. You know, they should be paying me for how bad these picks are. Yep, I still smell the mayonnaise. Get out there and put <laughs> promo code that SEC and start making some money because Lord knows I ain't. Yeah, and don't forget to head on over to the RogueShop.com, CBDTHC, Delta 9, Delta 8. They got you covered over at RogueShop.com, promo code SEC. We'll get you 10% off your entire order. Order's over 100 bucks. Free shipping. They'll send it in a discreet package. So you can have yourself a great time this weekend. Thanks to RogueShop.com. This is veteran-owned business, and this is 100% legal. So check them out. RogueShop.com, promo code SEC, 10% off your entire order. And again, free shipping, over 100 bucks. And if you have any questions, call them. Go to the website, RogueShop.com. Give them a call. It would be my buddy Richard. It's a small business. He's going to be answering the phone Taking your questions. So again, RogueShop.com, promo code S-E-C. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made with real brewed tea and picks a flavorful punch, 5% alcohol, and no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up any occasion, especially when you're cheering on your favorite SEC team. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love of college football. Keep it twisted. The podcast is also brought to you by Game Time. Head on over to GameTime.co and use promo code that. S-E-C-T-H-A-T-S-E-C for $20 off your first purchase. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game Time is a fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. Game Time is the place for the last-minute ticket sales. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Head on over to GameTime.co. Snag tickets without the stress. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code THATSEC for 20 bucks off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem THATSEC for 20 bucks off. Download the GameTime app today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. 
All right, Chase, are you ready to kick it over to our interview with our buddy Nick Roush, yeah. Kentucky Sports Red? Man, he's speaking of cloud, he's on cloud nine. Oh, yeah. So Kentucky Wildcats he are on the get to Georgia quick enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so let's kick it over to this great interview with Nick Roush. All right, we're pleased to be joined by one of our favorites, Nick Roush, Kentucky Sports Radio. Huge game this weekend, Kentucky going down to Georgia. But before we get to that, Nick, I had to ask you real quick. You got to be feeling confident about this damn bourbon bet this year with Cousin Shane. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! But with all that laughter being laughed, uh, I'm still like it's 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 got to be how Florida fans feel right now when they face Kentucky, where it's just like you feel good, but they still might come in and kick your teeth in. I mean, that's kind of the way Kentucky's treated Florida lately, and that's how the Tennessee game is, where you just. You can feel good about it going up to kickoff, but that logo, that team, there's always a bad feeling um, when those two get together. But, um, yeah, Tennessee, it's almost like Joe Milton isn't the, the best person to ever throw a football, right? Like, And I know you've been enjoying you know, that. <laughs> I mean, if he was that good, then he would have been playing over Hinden Hooker. Like, it just, you know, it, it reminded me of whenever Bobby Petrino said that uh, Louisville's going to be even better on offense with Puma pass at quarterback after Lamar Jackson left. It's like you can't. I mean, it, it's come on. Like you know, let's let's be smarter here. But um, you know Tennessee, they'll be all right. I do I do get the sense, Mike. Uh, I know you're covering all these teams that there is just uh, this year feels more chaotic because there isn't any team just really asserting its dominance. So even though Tennessee fell. Uh, at Florida, which it's it's almost like it reminds me of Kentucky just not being able to win at Starkville. They can't win in Gainesville. You know, they might not knock them too much by the end of the year because, I mean, I know obviously Alabama and Georgia are still on their schedule, but there is a lot of – you, you got to play the games out. Missouri's showing us that right now. I mean, they might end up being a pretty darn good football team um, when it's all said and done. So a lot still to be determined in the race for the top of the SEC East. And Kentucky, man, they could – Shake things up this weekend if they do something crazy down in Athens. Yeah, and before we get to that game real quick, I wanted to ask you about the Florida game because I know you picked Kentucky. Um, Everybody over there at KSR picked Kentucky. Big surprise there. But I also picked Kentucky, but but only by one point. I mean, I thought this was a coin Mm -hmm. toss game. They just kicked their ass. Did did you anticipate that big of a a whooping? You know, I I really thought that it could get hairy in the second half. I thought it might be one of those things where if you get Florida playing from behind, you make Graham Mertz beat you, that's not the strength of their team. But I thought Kentucky was going to do it by throwing the ball. I didn't expect for Ray Davis to have 190 yards on his first nine carries and Kentucky to be up 23-0 10 minutes ago in the half. Like, it was was an absolute butt-whipping up front. And it's one of those things that, we weren't used to the offensive line play last year. It it took us all aback uh, to see Kentucky's football to just struggle in the in the trenches. And I didn't know. I knew they would be better this year uh, with the addition of Marcus Cox and you know, you brought in s- some other heavy hitters in the portal. Um, you thought they were going to get better, but I didn't know they had that sort of running game performance in them. And I didn't know Ray Davis had it in them either. Um, this was a guy that going into the year, we just saw him as this very kind of cut from the same mold as Benny Snell, where it's like he's going to be in between the tackles, not very explosive, but he's going to get good yards. He's been 
outstanding. He, he's like a shot out of a cannon when he gets the ball in his hands. His eight plays of 30 yards or more are the tops in the SEC. He is explosive. He's got breakaway speed, um, and he's also doing it out of the pass-catching game as well. So Ray Davis has turned out to be one of the best additions in the transfer portal in the SEC this fall. That was one of those where Cole Kublik kind of warned us. He said, listen, y'all aren't talking up Ray Davis enough, and he was right. I mean, uh, it was clear that as soon as he got in the right system and got to play behind some competent offensive linemen, he could be a big weapon. And uh, going into this Georgia game now, it's one of those where – in years past, you just kind of had to – well, Kentucky's strength is running the game, but I don't think they can run against them. Uh, they showed last week that they can they can run against really anybody, um, even against the Georgia rush defense that hasn't been great this fall. So uh, I, I'm not expecting another big 280-yard performance from Ray Davis, but I do think he can create – some explosive plays that give the cats a, a puncher shot down there in between the hedges. Now, do you think that same formula, though, can work on the road against Georgia – and again, people get caught up in it's Georgia, number one. They're not number one. They they have not been, and I've been screaming that all season long, and I'm just basing it on what I'm seeing. I'm not saying they're a bad team. They they're they should be top five, top three probably. They're, they are very good. But this is not two-time national champion Georgia. Auburn just ran all over them. The caveat there, of course, they did it more with the, the quarterback run game. Right, That's right. not exactly Kentucky's – I mean, you're, they're not going to ask Devin Leary – with his injury history to do that. So what's your confidence level that Kentucky can do some of those things against Georgia, or will this have to be the game where Devin Leary finally kind of has like a breakout performance if Kentucky's going to win? You know, the part about this Kentucky team that uh, has made my job difficult is that they seemingly find different ways to win every single week. And I, I see that as a sign of a, of a good football team, a well-balanced football team that's going to make Kirby Smart's job difficult uh, in this upcoming game. And I, I love when you see the offensive line coaches on Twitter that love to, to break down stuff inside and kind of explain it, where that, that 75-yard touchdown run that Ray Davis had, it wasn't your traditional zone, it wasn't your traditional duo, it was a little bit of both. Um, and so I think the way that Liam Cohen is able to scheme up the run game is going to present opportunities. But you're exactly right. Like they can they can only eat so many no gains and one and two yard gains, hoping for explosives before they're going to have to throw over the top. And I think Devin Leary is due for a breakout game. Uh, I thought it was going to be last week. If you look back at Will Levis's first year under center with Liam Cohen, it wasn't until week six. When he got rocking and rolling, he had his best performance, one of the best performances in his two seasons, lighting up LSU. I think he had uh, a rushing touchdown and three passing touchdowns in the game. Absolutely torched them. They were firing all cylinders. Now, this Georgia team's a lot better than that LSU team. And the part that worries me is there are some injuries at wide receiver. The passing game struggles, they're as much on the receivers at this point as the quarterback. Um Leary, I think, has had to go through those growing pains, figuring out how to excel in a pro-style offense versus a spread. But a lot of it's on the receivers. Barry on Brown, uh, we saw some of the drops last year, and you kind of had to take the good with the bad. But the shocking development has been Dane Key, where um, our guy Clark Brooks at SEC StatCat, uh, 15 of the 19 drops that he's tracked have been with those two. And I think nine have come from Key, who was a physical guy last year as a true freshman, who was sure-handed, 
and like he made those contested catches. He did. He had that 55-yard touchdown against Florida. He single-handedly carried that offense to a win at Missouri, making difficult contested catches. So right now, he's just he's dealing with something between the ears, and he's just got to work his way through that. Going up against this Georgia pass defense, it's not the ideal time to hope that he can work his way through that, that Devin Leary can have his breakthrough. But it's certainly there, especially when I'm confident that Leary's going to have uh, uh, time to throw the football. Um, and that's where you can kind of get the tight ends in the mix. You can hit your checkdowns uh, with Ray Davis. Um, it's really weird, Mike, looking at this Georgia defense that was so good up front for so long. They're 13th in the SEC in sacks. Right, like their their pass defense is good, but it's because they've got great guys in coverage. So, uh, and their linebackers are good at covering too. So you can't really rely on your tight ends to just sort of win mismatches in one on one situations. So, uh, this might be a situation where Leary, even though he's not a runner, um, he can he he can extend plays with his legs, and he can pick up some you know five and six yards to make sure they aren't too far uh, behind the chains. And what's your confidence level that uh, Brad White can scheme something up to where? Let's face it, you're not going to shut down Brock Bowers, but you just can't let him take over the game like he did against Auburn. What, what's your confidence level that the guy that, that many regard, that know what they're talking about, that Brad White's the best defensive coordinator in the SEC, that he can limit, at least make other guys beat you uh, on that Georgia offense? Yeah, and it's one of those things that I, I've seen some good defensive football over the years at Kentucky. And I... Last week, in general, I, I've never felt more confident about a Kentucky defense because they're not reliant on one or two guys to do it all from them. Um, they're, it's got 14 sacks, and I think it's from eight different players. They've got nine turnovers, and Maxwell Harrison is the only guy that's got multiple, right, whether they're recovering fumbles or picking off passes. This is a very well-balanced group that Brad White's preaching, like, guys, don't press. The big plays are going to come. And that's that's what's happened um, so far this year. So I'm confident that they will force Carson Beck to be able to beat them through the air. And the thing about Brock Bowers, he is amazing. He's wonderful. He's going to be the best player that Kentucky plays all year. Do you know how many catches Brock Bowers had against Kentucky last year, Mike? Mm -mm. Two for 10 yards. So I know that Georgia didn't have to do a lot of that last year, but if Georgia's going to win, it's it's going to be a low-scoring game where they have to sort of force the issue defensively and give themselves short fields because I, I really am – unless Brock puts on his superhero cape, which he's perfectly capable of doing, um, I mean, they have guys who are big and physical enough that can play in coverage with him. To an extent, I don't know what special things he's got cooked up for him, um, but I, I don't think it's an impossible task to say that Kentucky can bottle up this Georgia offense and and make them, you know, win a game where they can only score seventeen points. Mm -hmm. And and really, Nick, people throw out all these stats, you know, yards total, this that. Every, the only thing that matters is points and, and yeah. efficiency in scoring offense, scoring defense. And uh, shout out Dave Bar Two CFB Matrix for providing me this info. But do you have any idea, Nick, who's who leads the SEC in scoring offensive efficiency and is number two in scoring defensive efficiency? Efficiency, and it's not Georgia. Is it Kentucky? It's Kentucky. So there's <laughs> there's one team that has a playoff profile 
or, or is closest to the playoff profile, and it's the Kentucky Wildcats. So that being said, what, what would su- surprise you more, a Georgia loss or a Kentucky win? I mean, I, I know it's the same damn thing, but what, do you, what, what would be your personal reaction if they go into Athens and beat Georgia, who is an outstanding team, I get it, but they're not this, this Goliath that people are making them out to. They're, they're beatable. Uh, and I, I realize the game's in Athens, so that makes it much more difficult. Yeah, but yeah. what what would surprise you more? I would I, I would be surprised if Georgia gave its best if they, if they put it together because that's part of you know they haven't had their breakthrough yet, just like Kentucky hasn't offensively. I'd be surprised if if Georgia put it together and Kentucky was still able to come up with a win, just because it's so hard to. I mean. Zero number one teams have lost at home in the college football playoff era. It just it just doesn't happen because of that. You, you got the home team on your side, man. It's, it's hard to lose. And if this was a game was at Kentucky, I would I would probably pick a Kentucky win. The only the the way that Kentucky wins this game, though, there there is a blueprint. They followed it last week, and it 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 worked like a charm. They started fast. Kentucky's gone up 24-0 and 23-0 in both of their SEC games. They've gotten three and outs and forced turnovers in the opening three possessions of those games. Georgia is 17-17 and 17 on the scoreboard in four first quarters this year. They've been bad. They've started slow, but then they're, I want to say they're 156-28 to 28 outscoring their opponents in the second and third. So we're going to know a lot about which way this game's going just right after the first 15 minutes. If Kentucky can get stops, and then create explosive plays offensively. This is all uh, what really held Kentucky back the last two years in this game is their lack of explosiveness. They had the longest non-scoring drive of the year against Georgia last year. They went something 13 plays, 57 yards, and threw an interception uh, right there at the goal line, right? And then two years ago, they ended. They had the ball for almost the entire fourth quarter with 13 plays and then got the backdoor cover with Wondell Robinson. I know a lot of Georgia betters were mad about it. I was very happy about it. Kentucky doesn't have to be methodical to score points in this year's offense. They have big-time playmakers offensively, and that's that's really, I think, what this game comes down to. It's obviously um, the turnover margin. I mean, the last time Georgia lost a night game, it was because they turned it over four times against Kentucky, and Randall Cobb got the job done back in 2009. If Georgia's turning the ball over, Kentucky can win this game. And if Kentucky's creating explosives and, and hiding – you know, Brock Bowers cape somewhere, putting a little kryptonite on that football. They they can win this football game. It's there for the taking. So I, I'm not putting this out till Thursday, Nick. Have, uh, have you made a prediction for the game? Uh, I'm I haven't settled in on an official final score, but I do think what's ultimately going to happen is that Kentucky, when the field gets a little bit tight, they haven't been good in the red zone. They're 13th in the SEC in the red zone. Uh, they've left four chances up off the scoreboard this year. And I, I think what's going to happen, it's going to feel kind of like the 2017 game where Josh Allen got an early interception. Uh, they got it down to the 20, and they weren't able to capitalize on touchdowns. And I think Georgia's going to win a 17-13 football game where Kentucky kicks too many field goals, um, and that just doesn't get it done. But the one, the one thing I'm fascinated to see is – if they are able to get off this hot start. People forget in 2019, it was a 0-0 ball game at halftime, and then Chris Rodriguez, a Georgia native, dropped the touchdown to go 7 nothing up in the third quarter. Georgia hasn't had a lot of pressure, particularly in these home games, in the second half. 
I mean, it was you blinked your eye and they, they had the lead over South Carolina in the third quarter. If Kentucky can put some game pressure on them in the fourth quarter, how's Georgia going to respond? So I'm fascinated to see it. Love to see the Cats um, put some pressure on the dogs and shock the world and do the impossible on Saturday night. But ultimately, I just I think Georgia's guns. It's they're still, they, they ain't the same old Georgia, but they're still Georgia. All right, last question for you, Nick. Really appreciate your time. Uh, I know you're you're trying to get to the game. You told me you got some things behind the scenes, so hopefully you make it down there. Let's assume you do. Over under a dozen grown men bark at you as you walk into that stadium. Oh gosh! See, here's the thing: in in previous years, before you know the early the Joker Phillips era, it would only be like six. They didn't even pay us no mind. <laughs> oh, it's it might even get up to two dozen. We're gonna get barked at a ton. <laughs> Because Georgia fans know that if, if there's a team that's going to give them hell, it's the Kentucky Wildcats. It's a physical football game. They're going to beat each other up in the trenches. And as good as Georgia is on that offensive line, Kentucky front seven, man, ain't nothing, ain't nothing to mess with. Deion Walker, he's coming at you. He's coming at you, dogs. He's going to be barking right back. <laughs> <laughs> all right, before you go, tell, tell the audience, where can they follow all your work? I'm at Roush KSR. Um, that's where you'll find me on Twitter. On the Kentucky Sports Radio YouTube channel is loaded with content. We'll appreciate you going over there and give us a sub- subscribe. Uh, if you want to know about the cats, we got you covered here at KSR. All right, it's great stuff. I mean, yeah, he's one of the best out there. You know I what? love it. I love. I'll never forget two years ago him like a heat-seeking missile trying to find you. When you bashed Will Levis, you know, I could, that was my first impression of Nick. And I was like, after that, I was like, I like this guy, you know, it's extremely passionate, always putting out great content. If yep. you're ever curious what's going on in Kentucky, man, the, there, I, I think I've never seen an outfit strangle every other media outlet at a location. It's like, it's KSR or nothing. Right. I'm sure there's a few other Kentuckys out there, but it's like these guys are just so like in depth with their analysis and stuff. It's fantastic follows. Yeah, and they don't take themselves too seriously. Which, no, no, they're fun. They're that's fun. Right up that's my that's, alley. that's what, what I like about it. Because <laughs> some of these, you know, they get a little too uptight. You know, yep. not, not the KSR boys. Well, you know who doesn't get uptight? Shane well, Arp- there's one. <laughs> We haven't had him on yet. (laughs) (laughs) Our buddy Mike Griffith over at Dog Nation. Got to get the other side of this big matchup, Shane. And Dogs is number one. And let's see what Mike has to say about this one. Well, we're pleased to be joined by one of our favorites, Mike Griffith from the AJC's Dog Nation. Mike, thank you so much for uh, taking this time. You bet, Mike. I look forward to it, man. Yeah, and what a week it is for Dog Nation down there with Kentucky coming through. Uh, the battle of undefeated. We've had a couple of these, Mike, in, in recent years. Arkansas comes to mind. Tennessee, of course. And and Kirby and company always come up big. Do you think they do it again this weekend? Yeah, I do. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's just because it's Kirby and company or just because it's Georgia. I just think that Georgia matches up well with Kentucky. And, you know, with all due respect to what Kentucky did to Florida last week, I mean, that was a really big win. Uh, it's three times in a row now that Kentucky has, has beaten Florida. you got to go back to 1951 when Paul Bear Bryant was the head coach in Lexington to find a time, I believe it was from 48 to 51, that Kentucky beat Florida three in a row. And hard to believe, Michael, that, you know, Florida has now won eight, excuse me, has lost eight in a row 
to SEC East teams outside of Griffin Stadium. I mean, like what happened to the Florida Gators? It, you know, they just the, the product is not matching the hype. And uh, it, it's an interesting time for Florida to be sure. And there's been plenty of times, as you and I both know, where Florida has been on top and, um, you know, their fans really rubbed everybody's noses in it. Let's be honest, for decades, they, their fans really let everybody know. And and so I think right now there's probably, you know, at first there was probably a lot of people that were happy to see Florida lose. Um, now they just they just don't talk about Florida. They just they, they just don't come up. They're just not relevant anymore. Kentucky, on the other hand, is. And you wonder if this is maybe uh, the de facto SEC East championship. I certainly don't want to count Tennessee out. Uh, that Tennessee-Kentucky game's kind of gone back and forth. And Tennessee just had a pretty major injury, um, obviously, to Brew McCoy. Uh, and everybody hates to see that. But to your point, this is a really big game. Saturday night in Sanford Stadium, 7 p.m. Uh, Georgia needs to win this game if they're going to win the East again. Yeah, and to your point on, on Florida, Mike, I don't know if you saw this, but after the game, I believe Napier said, well, you know, this is who we want to be. We want to be more like Stoops' Kentucky. And I can't imagine Steve Spurrier's reaction. I, I hope no one brought that to his attention because uh, – I can't imagine Steve Spurrier uh, ever saying something like that. Well, you know, Coach Spurrier is a legend. Uh, he's on the Mount Rushmore of SEC coaches. And I think with Kirby Smart, with his two national titles, and certainly Nick Saban and Paul Bear Bryant, that's that would probably be my list of four, uh, the way Coach Spurrier dominated in the 90s with six or seven SEC titles, depending on how you count it. Uh, during his 12-year tenure there. He was only there 12 years. seemed like he was there a lot longer, but just so dominant and, you know, breathed so much life into the SEC, really changed um, the complexion of the SEC when you think about the the fun and gun and how that offense opened things up. You know, the SEC was kind of a three yards in a cloud of dust league, and and then Spurrier came in and, and really changed things around. And um, But to your point, I'm sure he's disappointed of course, he still has the Spurrier's Gridiron Grill there in Gainesville and uh, still a beloved figure. You know that I'm associated with the Steve Spurrier Coaching Award. It goes to the first-year coach uh, every year, the best first-year coach. It was interesting. The first year, uh, we had Shane Beamer and Josh Heupel split it, and uh, I was talking with Coach Spurrier about it. I was trying to, I was trying to explain that you really coach, you can really only have one. <laughs> well, uh, you know, Chris Doring, who does the award with me, said, You're, you, you can try to explain that to him, but he, he he's pretty dead set. And, and I said, Coach, I think we really need to, to pick one of these coaches. He said, no, no, what we're going to do is we're going to have two, and it's going to work just fine, and everybody's going to be happy. And I said, well, you know, his name's on the award, so I may be the chairman, but it's the Steve Spurrier <laughs> Award. And so we had those two, and, of course, uh, South Carolina and Tennessee fans just love each other. So you can imagine how that went over. <laughs> and then uh, last year, Coach Sonny Dykes won the award. And uh, Coach Spurrier poked fun at him for giving up over uh, 60 points to show- <laughs> during the banquet. Like during the, but he, he had a point to it, Mike. He said, you know, the Gators gave up more than 61 year to a big red team referencing the Nebraska game. And he said they won the title the next year. So maybe, maybe TCU would win it this year. But Fast forwarding to this year, I don't think TCU is going to be winning much of anything. So <laughs> no. uh, kind of a circuitous story there about Coach Spurrier, but it's all in fun. And I like to tell those stories in background. And uh, I'm sure the Tennessee and South Carolina fans will 
always remember that special year when their coaches split the Steve Spurrier Award. That's a lot to stomach all in one. You got to share the award. It's got Spurrier's name on it, right? That's that's a lot to stomach. Right. And, and hey, maybe Napier's got a point. I like to poke fun, particularly after a big loss. But there there is something to be said for his comments because Kentucky, Mike, you know, you know this as well as anybody. No, wait, you're saying this with a straight face here. You're, you're really try, Are you really trying to sell this? Well, no, oh, wait, I'll get to it here. Kentucky, for whatever reason, I, I know Missouri last year gave, gave Georgia fits, but to me, the team under Kirby that, that has given Georgia, you know, the, the biggest test, so to speak, annually is Kentucky with their physicality, with their toughness. Now, they haven't beaten them, but hardly anybody's beaten Georgia these days, particularly in, in what have they won, 20 SEC games in a row. So uh, is there something to be said for Kentucky being able to match Georgia physicality-wise. And I know they don't have the athletes, but uh, they play tough, hard-fought games. And and I don't know where you stand on this, Mike, but I've been screaming it for a month. I don't think Georgia's number one. I don't think they've earned that. But they were number one last two years. I get it. But I don't rank them on what they did last year or the year before. I'm, I rank them on what they did this year. And that's not to say Georgia won't win the t- title, won't win the SEC. But this is not Georgia of the last two years. This is 2023 and I think Kentucky can give them uh, one heck of a, a ball game on Saturday. Sure. No, I, I hear what you're saying. I just, I, I think that's just a really awkward. I, if I'm Billy Napier, I'm not saying that. I, right. I, I just, I, <laughs> I just, I just can't imagine saying that. That would just, like you said, that's hard for a Florida Gator to swallow. I'm sure. Um, you know. Yeah. I mean, I'm with you. I don't have Georgia number one on my ballot either, and I haven't. Um, really since the first or second week of the season. I had Washington up there for a while. I've got Texas number one right now uh, about their win in Alabama. It's gotten more impressive as Alabama's kind of gotten on track. That win in Tuscaloosa. Uh, Quinn Ewers, uh, like I said, I don't know if he'll ever play another game like that again, but he doesn't have to. He did it that night. He was perfect. Um, he had had issues with the deep ball that particular night, though. Uh, some great throw and catch. And, uh, you know, Alabama's quarterback was, you know, Jalen Milrow wasn't making good decisions. I, I think as long as Milrow makes good decisions, they're going to be really, really hard to beat. We'll see what happens against AM this weekend. But uh, I, I'm with you. I, I don't just de facto Georgia number one. And I think, you know, Kirby's fine with that. I mean, he, he even said after the last game, like he said, I don't know how good this team is. I mean, they, tr- to your point, they've trailed by 10 points in each of their first two SEC games. Uh, to South Carolina at halftime, fourteen to three, and they were down ten to zero after the first quarter at Auburn, uh, and then they were down again, seventeen to ten, uh, in the third quarter after they turned the ball over on their opening possession. So Georgia's had to, you know a couple of uphill battles uh, to win their first two SEC games, and um, you know cut Kentucky coming into Sanford Stadium is is that a tougher assignment than? Playing on the road at Auburn, I, I don't know. That's tough. You know, Auburn and Hugh Freeze do some things uh, with the quarterback, and, and certainly I think Hugh is a really well-respected coach. Um, you know, as far as off the field, I don't know. You can throw them in the Lane Kiffin category. But, but you know, these guys get paid for what they do on the field, and and he's really good at his job. Uh, Mark Stoops is good at building a program, and you mentioned their profile uh, being a real physical physical team. Uh, how will that match up against this year's Georgia team? That remains to be seen. You know, I've said in the past, you're not going to out Kirby Kirby, but Georgia's interior defensive line has been somewhat suspect. 
Uh, obviously, there's a big drop off from Jalen Carter. Uh, the year before, they lost Jordan Davis and Devontae Wyatt, other first rounders. And the next guys up, just they're just not as good. I mean, they're still good, but they're just not as good. And it seems like fans want there to be this notion that, well, whoever's next up is going to be just as good or better. And it just doesn't work that way. I mean, I think you're seeing that at Tennessee right now, at quarterback. Um, I like their quarterback fine this year, but I don't think he's as good as Hendon Hooker was. Um, I like their receivers too, but I don't think they're as good as the receivers were last year. Sometimes players are better than the year before. Sometimes they're worse. At Georgia, they haven't been as good uh, in the interior defensive line. They haven't been as good in the offensive backfield. They haven't been as good at the other tight end position. They haven't been as good at wide receiver. And so we've seen some struggles. And I think the Kentucky game is going to be a litmus test of sorts because Georgia typically doesn't get out physical, Mike. I can I can only tell you two times – and I've covered Georgia since the 2018 season, the two times I've seen Georgia out physical, both by LSU, uh, 2018 regular season in Baton Rouge and 2019 SEC championship game. That's it. Even when Alabama beat them, uh, the times they beat them in Tuscaloosa and in the SEC championship games, I didn't feel like they out physical or pushed them around. So uh, could that happen this year? Uh, we'll see. I thought Auburn, you know, probably played them about even in the trenches. Let's see what Kentucky can do coming off that big win uh, over, you know, Billy Napier, who's a really nice guy, just a wonderful guy. We'll all just, we all agree he's a good guy. And I think we all agree that the SEC wants to see Billy Napier at Florida for a long time. <laughs> How about uh, the, uh, the injury to Amarius uh, Mims? I, I think that is obviously, you know, your, your readers are, are well aware of all that, but mm-hmm. maybe nationally, maybe across the SEC, that's kind of went under the radar perhaps. How big of a loss is that? Because in my my uh, outside observer eye, it, it seems to affect Georgia's offensive line to a, to a major degree. Well, you know, they weren't going to be as good without the left tackle, Broderick Jones. I mean, he was about as good as pass blockers we've seen in the SEC in, in quite some time, left tackle, first-round draft pick. And, you know, Warren McLennan was a guy that had started like 37 or 38 games in a row at right tackle. Now, Marius stepped in at the end. Um, and for those that don't follow it closely, and, and not everybody can go to SEC Media Days or read about every player, but but Mims is this, you know, Goliath, six foot eight, 340 pound. I mean, if you tried to make up an offensive tackle in your video game, this is him. I mean, he's he's big, he's strong, he's fast, he's physical, he's – you know, he's, he's all that, and he's their right tackle. Uh, he had to get the tightrope surgery on his ankle. So he's been out. I don't know how much it's truly affected them. Um, they moved Xavier Truss out there. He's a fourth-year guy, I think. Uh, and they moved Dylan Fairchild. They had pretty good depth. And, you know, frankly, their running game is a little bit off the rails, more because of the lack of depth with Kendall Milton, who's been injured all year. Kirby said this week that, Milton's looked good in practice, but, you know, Kendall was had hamstring issues in fall camp. He kind of looked slow at the start of the year. Then he suffered a sprained knee against South Carolina, uh, missed the next game against UAB, and only played five snaps against Auburn. I mean, if you get him back, great, but are you going to get that vintage guy back? Because we, we saw flashes of Kendall Milton that, that really looked like greatness, looked like a guy you'd say, oh, yeah, that's a – you know, that could be another, you know, big-time Georgia running back. But he hasn't looked like that this year. Uh, and we don't know what version of him we'll get uh, against Kentucky. Um, you know, they're so thin back there. 
you know, Brock Bowers carried on a third and two. He converted, of course, because just what he does. Uh, they've got a receiver back there, Dylan Bell, who's probably their number two running back right now. And, um, you know, Dejon Edwards does a nice job, Mike, but, you know, I, I don't think I'd put him in the same sentence with, you know, Todd Gurley and DeAndre Swift and, you know, Herschel Walker. So uh, they're a little limited in the backfield. Uh, to your point, their offensive line is not as elite as it was a year ago. And um, it, it begs questions. Anytime you lose a guy like that, it begs questions. Yeah, and I'm glad you you referenced Brock Bowers because I think he's the best college football player in the country. He's, you know, he may not win a Heisman or anything like that, but if they were giving it to the best player, he certainly has to be in consideration. Is there any way to to stop him if you're Kentucky? I mean, what what is the strategy if there is one? I mean, he he's a guy. I feel like you just you hope to contain him and and you can't let him dominate you like Auburn did uh, in the fourth quarter. Well, Georgia's lost one game since Brock Bowers has been on the team. Um, 2021 was his first season. And in the one game that they lost, he had 10 catches for 139 yards. And Stetson Bennett threw the ball at him 16 times. And Nick Saban called him out and said this guy was really special as a freshman. So that was the one game they lost. He's a go-to guy. Uh, You know, the Heisman Trophy and the politics around it, you know, I'm a little sour on the whole thing. I, I I really don't like it when perception overtakes reality. I guess if people repeat things enough times, it starts to be true. You know, I think Mike, what happened was, and I don't, I don't necessarily blame the TV people or the storytellers or whatever you want to call them. You know, and every Saturday they wanted to tell you that story, but in doing so, they really did a disservice to the championship players around him. I mean, there was a lot of other reasons that Georgia won. One of them was Brock Bowers. More people should know about him by now. Uh, you know, others, Kenny McIntosh had over a thousand yards. People didn't even talk about him. This guy's got like 12 or 1300 yards rushing and receiving. Didn't drop a pass his whole career. You know, crickets. Uh, Adani Mitchell, he's at Texas. Now he'll get more attention there than he ever did at Georgia. Fantastic pass catcher. And Georgia fans said, well, we know about him. Yeah, you do because you watched every game. But when people tuned in to the CBS game or the ESPN game, it was the same storyline on loop over and over and over. And it wasn't even that accurate as you know, as you've kind of seen. So uh, there was a lot of guys that didn't get attention last year. Darnell Washington, this guy was 6'8", 270. You see him taking over in the NFL. He didn't get talked about. Um, Lad McConkey just now starting to get some recognition. So a lot of people didn't really know how much Georgia was going to be missing, right? It was all, well, is the next quarterback as good? Well, the answer is, that, yes, the next quarterback is as good, but he doesn't have as good of a supporting cast. And so people are, you know, they're just now coming to the table and realizing that, wow, these guys, they did have some really special guys last year that aren't there anymore. And Kirby's, Kirby's talked about that. I'm not saying anything right now any different than what the head coach has said. Now I'll get skewered for it because I'm not the head coach and I cover the team and I'm supposed to, you know, wave my pom-poms. But the, just the reality of it is, is they're not as good in the interior defensive line. They're not as good at their offensive skill positions and they're growing. They're kind of in a, a reload mode. The schedule is very fortuitous. Um, they have gotten better. They have played a lot of guys. They played three quarterbacks in a couple games. So the numbers don't really reveal how much growth and how much better this team's gotten. But, you know, test number one is coming up Saturday night. I, Auburn was a test, too. I shouldn't say that. Auburn was test number one on the road. 
and they found a way to win. Test number two is going to be against a more physical team. So you beat the crafty coach on the road. Now you've got to play the physical uh, SEC East team that, that is familiar with you. Um, you know, they haven't played well, to your point. You know, two out of the last three years, uh, Stetson Bennett didn't even throw a touchdown pass against Kentucky. So they, they, they've, they've struggled. Last year was – uh, was a bit of a struggle. I think it was 16 to six or 16 to seven. Uh, a couple of years before that, it was 13 or 14 to three. Um, you know, in between, they beat them like 30 to 13 at Sanford the last time Kentucky was here. Kentucky drove the length of the field and scored like in the final seconds to cover the spread. Um, this is going to be different though. And, and Carson Beck's going to be tested. He's going to get hit. Uh, Kirby. And Mike Bobo are going to have to decide how much do they run the ball. Kirby oversees all this. It's it's his offense. Uh, how physical do they try to go? How much do they open it up? Are the is the passing game ready for this sort of test? Is the defense good enough to hold up? Uh, you know, Florida thought they were pretty good against the run coming in, and you know, Ray Davis, you know, went for two hundred and eighty yards and made every guy currently on Vanderbilt's team um, ask what you know, how you get in the transfer portal because they all want to get out of there and play somewhere where they can win games and people care about the program. Um, so it's, it's going to be a real test um, Saturday night for Georgia. Yeah. And I'm glad you, you talked about Carson Beck. That was the last thing I had for you on, on the team, Mike, but what did he prove to you? Have, have you seen enough after that big performance on the road, hostile environment? And, and for anybody that didn't watch that game, I mean, it was neck and neck. Auburn had a lead in the, at the end of the first, they had a lead in the third. The game was tied with, what, four, four minutes, I think, three minutes left in the game. It, they needed Beck to step up. And, and yes, he had Brock Bowers, but he made the throws that had to be made to win on the road. And, and I think that's getting overlooked as a, as a huge test that he passed early this season. Yeah, he was good on third downs. He was 8 out of 10 passing on third downs. I think seven of those were conversion throws. Three of them went to Ladd McConkey. It was on a pitch count. Um, don't really know about Lad's back this week, how much he'll play, but pretty pivotal guy. He missed the first four games of the season. Uh, two of those conversion throws were to Brock, and two of them were to Rara Thomas, a transfer from Mississippi State, who I think continues to emerge. You know, him and Dominic Lovett um, were the guys that kind of slid in uh, with a Donnie Mitchell moving on and Dominic Blaylock going over there to Georgia Tech. So, um, you know, Beck is good. You know, throw the ball to 19. You know, he, he makes you a lot better. You know, just put it within three or four feet of him. He, he's got those go-go gadget arms. He makes those one-handed catches. He runs away from people. He runs through people. I mean, he makes quarterbacks look good, if we're being honest about it. You know, his yards after the catch are phenomenal. You know, but to your point, you know, Carson didn't make mistakes. The one pick he had, you know, it, it was not a bad throw. The receiver could have come back a little harder. DB made a nice break on it. Um, but he, he makes the right decision most of the time. Uh, I think he's poised. I think he's fine. I don't think Carson Beck, and, and Kirby said this earlier in the week, that I don't think Carson Beck's going to determine whether or not Georgia wins the title, good or bad. Okay, so, um, you know, I still wonder, you know, do you need a running quarterback? Will George, can Georgia get away with having a distributor at quarterback, or do they need more of a playmaker? Do they need an RPO guy? You know, and that, that was kind of what happened to JT Daniels a couple of years ago. I mean, the guy's 7-0. and He's set a school record for pass efficiency rating the year before, you know, but Kirby, you know, between his injury and then Stetson comes in and, they, and then Kirby decides, you know what, I like the quarterback with mobility. I, I, I like that RPO angle. It's like adding one more offensive player. And so they stick with it. 
And so now my question becomes, you know, does Georgia have the skill position talent to win with a, a distributor like Carson Beck? Now, Carson's got good uh, escapability, but he's not a, I don't think he's really a runner. He's a very good athlete. Um, he had a baseball scholarship offered to Florida. Um, super talented guy, played AU basketball. So, I mean, he's a fantastic athlete, but he's not a, a runner. Brock Vandergriff is a runner. So I, I look for things like, you know, will Georgia eventually have to put in a package for Vandergriff? And what what else does Georgia have in the toolbox, right? Like, we know this is a team that's got to get better to win a national title. You said it yourself. You don't think they've looked like number one. You don't have them number one. Kirby knows this. That's why Kirby said he didn't know how good the team was. What do they have to do to get there? Well, first, they got to survive Kentucky. So Beck can't turn it over. He's got to continue to distribute the ball, make good decisions, um, then they, then they got, you know, whatever against Vanderbilt, I'm not going to call it a bye week because they do have to get on the bus and go to the playing field. If I don't know where the stadium's at or how much of it's done or not, it's, it's a crater but, right now. <laughs> what's that? It's basically a crater right now. It, it's a construction zone. I, I mean, look, I, I know people are wondering, you know, Mike, why I go out of my way sometimes to bring this to everyone's attention. I just think it's an embarrassment. You know, it's like that house in the neighborhood, right? There's always that one, every good, even every nice day, there's always that one house where the people don't mow their grass or they don't keep it painted. And and the thing is, they this Vanderbilt, they, this Vanderbilt, they get just as much money from the league as anybody else. And it's almost like they know they don't have to because they're in Nashville. It's like they're free pass. Oh, hey, you're not kicking us out because we're in Nashville. And, and then you just – you know, man, can't you get it together? I mean, there's been coaches that have won there before. They've had momentum to build on. They've had opportunities with the city of Nashville building stadiums, and they just don't care. And that's frustrating to me because I don't see that with Northwestern in the Big Ten. I don't see that with Duke in the ACC. And why does Vanderbilt get away, you know, and, and poor Clark Lee. I mean, the guy went there, and um, I mean, I guess they did beat Florida last year. But, but my point is, it doesn't have to be that way. And it's frustrating to me that that stadium is there looking like that. And it's just, it's just an embarrassment to the league. And it's, it doesn't meet the standard, you know. And, um, you know, it's not true of baseball. Their baseball stadium's fine. The basketball arena is wonderful. But for whatever reason, um, they just won't make the commitment like the other schools in the league do. And, and uh, and that disappointed. That's that 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 game's a week off. And and believe me, I I'm already tired of talking about it. Um, but that's a week off. And then then Georgia has a true bye week. And then they play Florida uh, in Jacksonville, about uh, I don't know, 370 miles from here or something like that. 70 miles from Gainesville. So is it a, they they call it a neutral site game, but it's it's a road trip to Florida. Florida will take a bus you know, an hour over there and and then they'll, they'll try to take care of a Florida team that, you know, who knows where they'll be by then, Mike. I mean, I'm sure you'll have other shows and you'll talk about the Florida South Carolina game and all that. That's to me a really big game, but um, back to your original question was on Carson Beck. I think he's fine. I don't think that's where the game is won or lost. I think the game is won or lost with turnovers. Simple as that. And, and it may not be Beck's fault. That's why I say that guys run the wrong pattern passes get tipped um, players don't come back for the ball. I think Carson Beck is fine. Now, don't put it all on his shoulders, um, you know, but 
as long as he's got guys open, he'll hit them. He's not going to freak out. He's not going to pee down his leg in the clutch. We saw that twice already. He's come from 10 down. I think it's going to come down to turnovers and and the trench battle. And um, can Kentucky dominate Georgia like they did Florida? I really, I really doubt that. So I, I'm predicting a, a Georgia win. You may be right. Um, it may be a slam bam right down to the last second. Uh, I just, I don't know. I've seen Georgia control Kentucky and, I guess to, in my mind, it's still a two or three touchdown win until Kentucky shows me otherwise. Yeah. Well, Mike, I really appreciate your time. Before you go, can you tell my audience, I'm sure they know already, but in case they don't, where can they find you and where can they find all your work? Sure. I appreciate it, Mike. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Mike Griffith 32. And then we have our dognation.com website and Facebook page and YouTube page. And um, I appreciate the, your help and enjoy working with you. These are uh, fun podcasts that you do. And I think you do a great job yourself. And certainly I enjoy watching you on the fine bomb show. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much. I'll, I'll... All right, Shane, another great one from Mike. That guy always delivers, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, Mike, I swear. Uh, he, I, again, media days, you, you, you go back to some of these guys and, uh, He's just got an aura around him, you know. It's like you, I think he's probably hit more tables down there than anybody, you know. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. When we were getting him, I mean, he, he had to make ten stops on the way over because yeah. they're like, "Hey, Mike, we got to get you on. We got to get you on. What time can we get you?" That's right. Every booth like there, Shefty just running around. Everybody <laughs> yeah. wanted to know what the insiders he's got down there in Georgia. Yeah. So I really appreciate both uh, those guys taking the time to join our show. I appreciate all the questions, helping the ma- mailbag another successful addition there Shane and most of all I appreciate you for being a man of your word and taking that mayo like a man absolutely (laughs) (laughs) anything else before we hop off no man I'm glad again got that that bet out of the way and uh, it's been fun and be sure to tune in tomorrow Uh, we're going to be doing our picks and you can find out if Shane's going one and ten Or is he going to get back on the winning side of the column? So I think so. I think it's about time. Yes, sir. Well, all right. I appreciate each and every one of you for checking us out. We'll catch you on the next one. All right. See you guys. Go balls. Hey, buddy. This beer's for you, Mike, and Cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the pirate, and the pirate loves that SEC podcast. Hail State.